Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello and welcome, friends, to another exciting episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Jason Day, your host, and today I'm joined by Dr. Matthew Kim, professor of preaching and ministry at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Now, prior to joining the faculty of GCTS, Matt served for many years as a senior pastor, most recently in Denver, Colorado. He's the author of several books, including Preaching with Cultural Intelligence, which was named the 2018 Preaching Magazine Book of the Year. On this week's episode, Matt and I focus on the role of preaching, and we discuss the importance of understanding the people who hear our sermons. Matt highlights a very practical framework for sermon preparation that really helps us prayerfully understand the cultural diversity of our listeners and communicate the truths of Scripture more effectively. And all that we discuss together on this week's episode is really rooted in the idea that we are called to love our neighbors even through our preaching. So please, won't you join me in this important conversation with Matt Kim. Matt, I am really looking forward to our conversation today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jason. Excellent. Now, Matt, I need to clarify for any of our newer listeners that I do not often make statements as bold as the one I'm about to make, but I sincerely believe that every every man and woman who is involved in any sort of preaching and teaching ministry really needs to read your latest book, Preaching with Cultural Intelligence. Really, I, I think it should be required reading for anyone preparing for ministry, and I'm not trying to simply promote your book, Matt. Uh, But as a guy who's been preaching and teaching for over 20 years, I believe that what you address and the manner in which you address it and the very practical tools, which I absolutely love, that you provide in this book, all of this is so needed in our ministries and our churches today. So to begin, I want to just start by saying a big thank you for this book, brother. Thank you so much. Oh, well, it's my honor, and thank you for the kind words and All glory to God. Awesome. Now, I wish we honestly had a whole day or maybe a few days to really explore this topic. We're only going to be able to to really scratch the surface. But Matt, when you talk about preaching with cultural intelligence, can you help us understand what do you mean by cultural intelligence? Sure. That was a business term uh, coined in the early 2000s for business leaders to be able to translate uh, not just language-wise, but in terms of understanding people so that they can get the, the deal done. <laughs> right. And re- really what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do in this book is to use some of the principles that they've uh, garnered for us, but really to help pastors and, and preachers and church leaders understand people so that they can minister the gospel effectively and also disciple them through our preaching. Excellent. Now, before we get into the incredibly practical tools that you provide uh, to kind of help us as we preach, let's touch upon something that that kind of helps clarify what we're talking about. In, in regard to interpreting, communicating, and understanding Scripture, one of, the, one of the important issues that's currently being discussed sort of revolves around this dynamic between uh, the author's intentions and the reader's response. Can you briefly explain kind of each of these perspectives and help us better understand kind of the best way forward in, in this discussion? Sure. At Gordon-Conwell, where I teach, we— believe in inerrancy, and so we do believe that the uh, 
divine author and human author had one intended meaning. And it's our responsibility to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us interpret the text. And we believe that there is one interpretation and we're trying to uh, pursue God's interpretation. Uh, now, what can be challenging is that as 21st century uh, readers of the Bible, we're bringing in our own lens by which we have uh, experienced uh, the world differently. And so we are going to, in some ways, read the Bible through our lens uh, culturally and ethnically and socioeconomically. Um, but I still believe that as we interpret the scripture, uh, we can ask the right questions to help listeners think about their experiences, but also help them to see what is the biblical idea, but also understand uh, where they're coming from and, and asking the right questions so that uh, they're not just distantly looking at the Bible saying, you know, this is what it means for me and that, that's what it means for you. But as faithful preachers, we're still trying to get the main idea right, but then also ask the right interpretive questions to help our listeners think about their own context. Okay, so that's good because I, th I think that some would argue that the reader response perspective is really focusing on taking culture into account. Uh, but, but what you're saying is that we can focus on the author's intention, but still have this cultural sensitivity and this cultural intelligence impact how we are presenting uh, or in communicating scripture, interpreting scripture. Is, is, that, is that what we're saying? Yes. You know, I think as you're in your study and you're preparing a sermon, you have your own lens by which you're reading scripture, but then you're also, um, as you're prayerfully cons uh, considering what God is saying to uh, you as the preacher, you're also asking questions of the listener. How might someone who's from a different ethnic or cultural context or uh, any other demographic, how are they reading the text? What, what kinds of questions do they have that I might not raise as a Korean-American preacher and, and you as a Caucasian? So uh, it's really taking the next step in interpretation and thinking through how might my listeners be asking questions of the text, and how do they, how do they encounter it? That's good. Now, um, I want to back up on, on something that, that you touched on. You, you talked about the fact that um, we as preachers and teachers, when we come to the text, we have our own unique lens. And uh, one of the things that you say is that it's helpful, perhaps necessary even, that we exegete ourselves in a way. Can you talk to us a little bit about, about what you mean by that and, and what that looks like? As you think about your own seminary training or church experience as you've been uh, called to be a pastor, I think every person has a theological lens by which we read scripture. If we're Reformed or Arminian, uh, whatever kind of, whether we're Baptist or uh, Presbyterian, uh, we have a, a lens by which we're reading scripture. And uh, sometimes that the theological position is a, a lens by which we read and understand a particular text. So that might, uh, that theology might stand out for me as a preacher uh, as I read a certain passage. Now, uh, for the listener, I think there are other questions that they're asking. So, for example, if I'm looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount and looking at the Beatitudes, how might a poor person read the text versus a rich person? How, what is the grid through which they are looking at Scripture? And so those are the kinds of questions I'm looking at in terms of, I, I know that as I, as I faithfully prepare, there is one interpretation I'm hoping to find, and God's going to help me do that. But then there are also a myriad of other questions that the listeners are, are looking at the textbook. So as a pastor, you mentioned that we come with a, a theological lens. As we come to the text, you know, as, as you're training, preparing um, pastors to serve in the church, 
how do you suggest they come to the text knowing that they already have a theological bent of some sort? How do you recommend that they approach the text at that point? Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, everyone has a particular uh, theological perspective. So uh, at Gordon-Conwell, we are multi-denominational, but we use uh, Haddon Robinson's textbook, Biblical Preaching, as a, a filter through which we preach. Um, and he is looking at the text really from uh, what is what is the author talking about and what is the author saying about what he's talking about and really getting to the, the biblical author's perspective. Other seminaries train with other books, um, such as Brian Chappell's christ Under Preaching or Baptists have their own um, textbooks that they use. So if you're reading the text through a particular lens, for example, if, if I believe that I should preach about Christ in every single sermon, even from the Old Testament, that is a theological presupposition that I'm holding. Um, and, and sometimes that clouds my vision of the text. How do you step out of that? It's tough. <laughs> I, I don't have a, a magic answer for that and of how everyone can do that. But knowing or at least being aware of the fact that I have a theological uh, grid and, and perspective and maybe even taking some time to process and think about uh, how, how might I re- be commonly interpreting the text that other people may not. And for that, I think reading broadly would really help, reading broad mm. textbooks on, on different uh, homiletics and, and thinking through where am I being stretched here and how might my view differ from someone else's. That's good. Now, not only do we as, as preachers come to the text with kind of a theological lens, but we also have our own cultural lenses, right? Um, as you said, you know, right. depending on um, our ethnicity, beten, beten, uh, depending upon how, how we might have been raised, where we might have been raised. So how do we kind of understand ourselves in, in those uh, different ways as well and understand ourselves well enough so that we can prepare to not kind of read our, ourselves into um, the text? I mean, in, in chapter four of the book, I, I call it exegeting the preacher, but taking some time to think about some of the areas where I commonly don't think about uh, myself as the preacher. And as, a, as I'm preparing a sermon, usually I'm thinking about who are my listeners, how, how do I address their needs and their concerns in the sermon, but maybe taking some time to journal. And what I recommend in the book is doing a, a timeline of one's life and thinking through what are some of the positive and negative experiences of my life, and how do they enter the pulpit with me, when maybe perhaps even under the surface that I don't even know about. And thinking through what are what are my perspectives of others? Do I love them? Uh, as I think about people who are different from me, whether it's theologically or uh, racially, ethnically, culturally, how do I how do I view them? And what are some of the biases I might have against them or for them? Uh, also, maybe thinking through some of the issues of pain and suffering that I've gone through, and how might that help me be a more empathetic and sympathetic preacher? So there are, uh, are some things that I recommend in the book to, to, to do in terms of a timeline and a journal, uh, but I think spending some prayerful time and asking the Holy Spirit some tough questions about uh, my own background and, and experience would be helpful in, in terms of uh, getting through that process. Yeah, I, I love that, Matt, and I love that you brought that out simply because, as you mentioned, oftentimes as we're preparing a text, we're kind of rushing into what is it that, that God is going to say to those who will be hearing. And, and sometimes we kind of skip over the whole, the whole idea of what we are bringing to the text um, because of who we are. So to take that time, as you said, to maybe journal, kind of timeline through, through your life, 
and really get a hand that self-awareness I think is, is super critical and something that that I don't think um, enough of us who've been tasked with the responsibility of preaching and teaching have taken the time to really really kind of um, assess ourselves and go through that process so I, I love that you um, highlight that because I think that's super key now I want to kind of move to the whole, idea of preaching and taking into account and understanding the people who are um, hearing the, the message, hearing the sermons, um, because that's really kind of the, the heart of, of what the book is all about. And one of the things that I love is that, Matt, you don't jump, you know, you don't jump so quickly into kind of understanding the culture. You start with um, what you refer to as habit. So when you're talking about this very practical framework that you you provide in the book for for us to kind of process through as we're preparing a sermon with cultural intelligence, you don't just jump straight to the cultural intelligence piece. You start with with this idea of habits. Can you talk to us about about habit and why that's kind of the foundational piece? As you look at different preaching textbooks, uh, either they're really good about interpreting the text and offer very little about culture or vice versa. And what I was trying to do in the book was really help us to have that, as you said, foundation being the word of God and not jumping too quickly in terms uh, in terms of the people. And so habit is really an acronym that helps us walk through the exegesis process. And so H starts, I start with H and H is basically looking at the historical, grammatical and literary context, which we are taught to do. Um, in, a, in our interpretive process. So I'm starting from the, the basic foundation, which is understanding the, the world of the Bible and the world of the text, the world of the um, author. Um, but in A, what I'm trying, trying to do is accentuate um, the author's cultural context. So, for example, if I'm preaching on 1 Corinthians, uh, how much sp- uh, time do I spend on Corinth, uh, understanding the people, the challenges there, some of the, the things that Paul is addressing in that context? And even more um, poignantly, in the Old Testament, when, when I read about the Girgashites and the Hittites and the Amorites, how often do I actually think about who are these people and, and read up on that? And so for A, I'm really trying to understand the author's cultural context. And B, I'm trying to get to the big idea of the text, the main idea of the passage, and I think most preachers do that anyway. Uh, I moves into interpret in your context. And so here, uh, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, some of the interpretive questions that I'm asking for my listeners. For example, what are their assumptions, concerns, or questions? And then finally in T, I'm really trying to address some of the theological presuppositions that I'm reading the text with. And for example, um, who is God in this passage? What is what is he doing? Uh, what is his plan for uh, the world? And some of the biases um, that I might have, whether they're, they're positive or negative. Uh, and also thinking about the listeners and what are some of their pre- uh, theological presuppositions. So, so that's great. So habit is, is the beginning. It's the foundation. It's where we're kind of really, really digging in and um, understanding the text as the text and, and the context in which it was written and the author's context and, and really kind of digging in and, and starting to pull out some of those those questions um, that some might be asking. Uh, but then you, you take uh, kind of the next stage in this preparation process as we're preparing uh, the sermon. You move from habit to um, another acronym that you have, and, and you refer to this as bridge. 
And can you kind of walk us through, because this is where we begin to get, it seems, more into the um, cultural intelligence piece as we move into bridge. Can you walk us through that, please? The world of the Bible is obviously not the world of today, and the acronym BRIDGE is something that would be a tool that uh, I could possibly filter through the sermon in terms of understanding my listeners better and trying to get at some of their uh, questions and concerns. So BRIDGE stands for Beliefs, Rituals, Idols, Dreams, God or View of God, and also their life experiences. And I, I don't recommend trying to do everything in every sermon. Uh, I do think that habit is something that we're naturally going to do anyway, and I just a- have added a couple of more conscientious steps. But in terms of bridge, maybe just thinking through as you read a particular passage, maybe what are some of the uh, things that stand out to you in terms of uh, how can I help my listeners understand this passage better and apply it to their lives? And so, for example, if, if I'm looking at a passage and it's uh, highlighting some kind of cultural idol, maybe I can focus on that in my sermon to try to connect with my listeners better or Maybe there's a ritual or tradition that uh, they are accustomed to doing, and it's not in line with what God is wanting. And so I might focus on that for a particular um, sermon or passage. So you can't do every uh, letter each week, but maybe as, as the text unfolds and as you're praying through the process, maybe thinking about one or two items uh, that week that might help my listeners and connect with them. That's good. Can you? Um, the D in there stands for dreams. Can you talk a little bit about that perspective, and, and, and what do you mean when you're talking about the dreams that the, the, the audience might have? I think sometimes we have a, a negative view of dreams and uh, in terms of, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? But as we think about preaching, one of the things that we're trying to do is disciple them. Uh, as one of my mentors has told me that, you know, preaching is discipleship. And thinking that through, how often do we as preachers give a, a dream or a vision or cast uh, a weekly goal uh, how, how can I live this text out in my life? How can I live this passage out uh, for a particular week? And so dreams is really giving them a vision for what their life could be like in Christ as they pursue this passage and, and live it out to the fullest and maybe offer one or two things that they can think about. So it really has to do with ap- application and, and vision and you know maybe it's challenging some of the cultural uh, values that we, we currently are holding. Uh, so it's really giving them a, a vision for what their life could be like uh, if they fully lived out uh, Christ's word. So so you're recommending that when we look at this idea of beliefs, rituals, idols, dreams, God or their view of God and their experiences, that as we're prayerfully coming to the text, as we've begun to to prepare and have done some of the you know historical uh, work and, and those types of things, we begin to kind of think and process through and prayerfully consider some of these things, and, and maybe a, a, a couple or a few of these uh, might really stand out in that particular passage on how we can connect those to what our listeners are experiencing, right? So, um, like right. you said, not necessarily you have to go through every single one, but, um, you know, as, as God is guiding, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as we're preparing, there might be a few things that really begin to stand out. And as we begin to be um, more conscious of these things— you know, we're really preparing our, our minds and our hearts to to really be listening and attentive to how some of these things might might stand out in the scripture passage. Is is that kind of what we're what we're looking at through this this stage of the process? Yeah, I think it's it's an intentional step to try to think through um, how does the biblical world connect with my church's context. So you're absolutely right. Excellent, excellent. Now the third stage that you jump into, you refer to as dialect. 
And and this one, as, as I was reading, this one really seems to, you know, hone in on the the real cultural context, you know, of of what the the, the people that are hearing the message are are really kind of experiencing themselves. So walk us through the dialect stage and help us understand how to how to best uh, kind of apply this to our time of preparation. Yeah, I mean. As you think about how best do I communicate with someone, someone else who's whether similar or different from me, dialect is uh, the closest uh, element of language where I can actually understand someone and we share the same vocabulary. We may share, uh, share the same accent. And so that's why I, I use the, the acronym dialect to, to really get us as close as possible to the listeners uh, and the people to whom we're ministering. And so D is concerning delivery. Are there any things in my delivery that I need to perhaps modify or help my listeners, uh, whether that's uh, vocal variety or punch or uh, my gestures, things like that, that we commonly talk about in preaching class anyway. I concerns illustrations. And sometimes in our illustrations, we, we draw from the same few um, you know, hobby horse kind of illustrations. And so thinking through how might this particular illustration connect with my listener better and uh, again, what I what I don't want to have come across in this in this book is that I have to think through every single scenario, every single possible listener, and all the different get get overwhelmed by all the different variety of people in my church. But really thinking through one or two people uh, every single week, and maybe if you have a very diverse church, you might think through you know who are some people I'd like to focus on today, and move on to the next person. Um, yeah, every single week and, and not get overwhelmed by the 100 or 200 different types of people. Um, so illustrations are uh, often drawn from the same uh, source. And so maybe thinking through how can I vary that a little bit for my listeners? I concerns application. And as you know, you and I know, uh, application is probably one of the hardest things that we do in preaching. But again, here I'm thinking through um, people who are different from me. What, what do I need to do to be able to apply the word more faithfully uh, to their context? L concerns language. Are there words or, or things that I'm saying, semantics that I, people may not understand, idioms, things like that, that I might be more uh, conscientious of, of, of thinking through their, their um, background. Uh, so language, uh, the next is embrace. And one of the things that I've noticed in my own preaching as I preach primarily these days to white Caucasian audiences is that I, I really want to think through how are they thinking of me as the preacher and how can I uh, establish rapport with them so that I might be able to embrace them and they might be able to embrace uh, God's word. And so uh, embrace are uh, just some things to think about in terms of how can I connect better, better with my listeners and love them better. And C uh, pertains to content. Uh, what, what are the things I'm talking about in my sermons? Am I drawing from the same uh, books of the Bible or uh, are there issues of content in terms of topically that I might be able to connect with some listeners that I haven't addressed so far, that, but they're relevant for their lives and important to them? Uh, and then finally, T is about trust. And one of the foundations of preaching is um, is trust and, and being a good pastor. And uh, sometimes the trust is broken from the pulpit. And in that uh, part of the uh, acronym, I'm trying to help us think through um, how can I best— um, have the listeners trust me and and trust God's word, and so there's just some pointers there about uh, establishing trust and maintaining that trust. Yeah, and Matt, what's so helpful about uh, these different stages is that um, it, it really helps 
us be intentional about not just kind of almost getting in a rut, you know, preparing messages week in, week out, but it helps us be intentional to kind of pull back a little bit and start considering maybe some different viewpoints or from some different perspectives or really the different contexts that those people that will be listening to the message are really coming from. And so that we don't kind of get into just this this cycle of you know, you know preparing a, a, a good message, but a message that doesn't really take into account the varying uh, perspectives that are are being brought as as a group of people gather together to listen to the word proclaimed. And and I think that's that's so vital because oftentimes we can really just kind of get um, comfortable, I think, with our preparation and our preaching. And as long as, you know, we're getting some amens or as long as we're having some people who say, hey, man, great message, Pastor, we, we feel like we're kind of hitting everything that we need to hit. But in the world in which we live with so much diversity um, within our culture and, you know, just the, the changing culture that we're a part of, um, if we're preaching the same way we were preaching five years ago, even even a year ago, and we're not staying sensitive or open and allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of guide us in, in regard to uh, the culture into which we're preaching and really what the, the perspective our listeners have and the lives that our listeners are coming from, we, we really might be missing out on uh, being as effective as we possibly can, would you say that because of the rapidly changing culture around us, this is something that uh, we as pastors need to be paying even more attention to consistently? I I would say so. But, you know, I I don't want people to be overwhelmed by the process. And as you say, it it is easy to get into a a rhythm and uh, forget that I want to preach sermons that are beyond just generic sermons that I think will apply to everybody and, and, and illustrate relevantly for everyone. Uh, as, as you think about the diversity in your church, it's not just racially or ethnically. Uh, there are many different cultures and cultural perspectives that people are coming from, whether it's political or in terms of uh, even as male preachers preaching to women, uh, how can I be a more f- effective preacher for them? And being more uh, sensitive and thinking through uh, my listeners is really uh, what Jesus is calling us to do in terms of sharing that example of the Good Samaritan with us. And how do I love my neighbor? And one of the ways we can do that as pastors is through being more intentional with our preaching and teaching. And hopefully this won't be an overwhelming process, but really, um, as you think about one or two elements each week, it'll just uh, give some life and color to your preaching uh, and really help uh, connect with some people that you may have not been connecting with previously. Yeah, I, I, and and I, I love the fact that you're you know, you're saying that you don't want this to, to become overwhelming, but you just want their, you know, encouraging people to maybe pay attention and, and kind of think through and process through prayerfully, uh, you know, how, how our communication can uh, impact others. Uh, one of the things that you touch on is you, you talk about um, really this idea of cultural intelligence uh, preaching kind of in practice. And, and as you mentioned, you talk about, you know, when it comes to ethnicities or or gender, or even other religions, as we're thinking about the opportunity we have to share the gospel with people who come from um, different religious backgrounds, as we're seeing more and more. What would you say to the pastor who is uh, faithfully preparing messages week in 
and week out, but knows that, you know, the neighborhood in which they live, the city in which they live, that there are these changing demographics, um, and yet they feel like they don't fully, uh, fully understand those changing demographics. How can we as pastors, you know, prepare our, our messages effectively when we just don't always know what we don't know? What would, what would some recommendations be uh, for a pastor in that situation? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that takes some homework and, and some effort. Um, thinking through, um, one of the things that I've, I've heard from a, a pastor friend is that he commonly preaches what he calls to the empty chair. Uh, and thinking about who are the people in, um, in this uh, surrounding community that I, I'm not addressing, um, or maybe even people at my, list, uh, my congregant's workplace, and sitting down and talking with them and asking them, you know, what, what is it like uh, to, to work in this environment? And who could you bring to church? And how can I better preach to them? And, and just asking a lot of questions. What, what I found helpful is simply finding people in the church uh, that I'm trying to address or learn, uh, learn about and sitting down and sitting down with them for coffee or a meal and just asking a lot of questions. And, you know, having a free and open conversation about that enables me to just ask questions that are that, that are seemingly stupid, uh, but what they're really doing, what I'm doing in this process is uh, just showing the the people that I care. And so, in in my church context, when I was a pastor in Colorado, I had a, a number of different ethnic groups, and I would oftentimes sit down with them and just ask them, "How is the sermon uh, hitting you or not hitting you?" And just asking a bunch of questions, and and by doing so, they they feel my pastoral care for them, but then also Knowing that I'm I'm gaining some important insight for my sermon, and so you can you can do some active study in terms of you know learning about the demographics, uh, going to council meetings and and partic- participating that way and just listening in, uh, trying to learn more about your city or your area. But really, it's about asking good questions and just taking the time. But uh, that, that I think that's one of the challenges of of doing this uh, process is that we're limited in our time, and mm. I think that's been. Um, one of the pushbacks I've received about the book is that, you know, how, how do I actually have time for this? And I'm doing so many other pastoral duties. And I, I say, make it a part of your ministry in terms of whenever you meet with someone, learn about them and, and try to try to spend time with people who are different from yourself. And, uh, and, and again, that, that intelligence of, of culture, it goes beyond just uh, physical appearance. Uh, there are many different areas of culture that we need to probe as pastors. And I, I think by spending that time with them, uh, you're doing, um, you're, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're, you're spending time with them, but then you're also showing them you care, uh, and, and they mean something to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, Matt, because the more that we're in conversation and spending time, as you said, with them, then it's not that we have to go in and necessarily, you know, work through this whole process to bring these things up. But as we're befriending and sharing and hearing their stories, then that just becomes a natural part of, our understanding of the people um, that, that God has entrusted to us, you know, in, in, our, in our community. So as we're preparing, those things are just naturally, you know, coming up. And these, these, uh, you know, th- these different stages are just little reminders and and, and just for us to kind of slow down and think through that. But a lot of that's going to come naturally because we have done the um, the ministry of getting to know the people in our church and in our community, right? So, so that that becomes more of a natural outflow of 
who we are and how we are uh, viewing what God's called us to do and, and what God has called us to share. So I absolutely love that. Love that idea of, of really connecting and sharing and listening, as you've said. I mean, you made that pretty clear, listening, uh, because that will have the opportunity to kind of inform us and guide us as we're preparing preparing to preach. So excellent stuff. Matt, I want to thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Um, this has been excellent, very, very helpful. How can the pastors and ministry leaders who are listening in today uh, connect with you or learn more about preaching with cultural intelligence? I'd be happy to answer any questions or engage in conversation uh, on this topic. And uh, it's something that's dear uh, to my heart. And so if you want to uh, look me up on, on the website at Gordon Conwell, my email is mkim at gcts.edu, mkim at gcts.edu. And I'd love to begin a conversation with any of you. And uh, I pray for God's richest blessings in this uh, Advent season and beyond. And and hope that uh, each of us will grow in this area uh, to the glory of God. Amen, brother. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate all that you're doing and all that you've shared with us through uh, your book, Preaching with Cultural Intelligence. And uh, our hope and prayer is that we will just continue to allow God to stretch us um, as we serve Christ. So thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. Thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.